Violet Sessions. I'm Claire Patak, owner of East London Bakery Violet. Each session, I talk to yet another incredible woman who is doing something remarkable by simply following her dream, trusting her gut, and being part of the exchange by sharing her experience with the rest of us. Um, okay, so I'm here today with Anna Jones. Anna Jones is a cook, food writer, and stylist. Her first book, A Modern Way to Eat, has been shortlisted for a James Beard Awards. So cool. Um, and getting her start under Jamie Oliver, Anna has really followed her heart and turned her passion into her very successful career. It's really nice to have you here. Oh, thank at you. Sessions. Welcome, welcome. Always happy to be at Violet. <laughs> I know you've been really actually <laughs> such a staunch supporter from the very beginning. I was thinking about, um, actually I was like thinking about things I was going to talk to you about today, and I remembered that when you bought your first flat on Broadway Market, that you and Liz basically like mentioned me to Jamie, even though I had like a connection with Jamie already, but like he basically was like, the girls think that we should do something with your cupcakes. (laughs) Well, I mean, when you make great cakes, Claire, it's what happens. Thank you. Um, very nice. But yeah, no, your your store was one of the first few stores on Broadway. Broadway Market, wasn't it, when it opened? Yeah. And yep. our flat was, <laughs> like two was of us. yeah, there was like two, a veg man and you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, every Saturday morning, that would kind of be the first thought in my head. I was like, a violet cake is only about 20 steps away from my front door. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. I'm so sorry. Um, especially because you are the, um, you're sort of like, you know, you really revolutionize the way people think about British food. Um, I wouldn't, oh, you know, I know that's like a big, that's like a. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure to tell you that, but I think that your books um, have such a far reach, um, and because you're talking about vegetarian food, just as a way of eating, not as being necessarily a vegetarian, mm-hmm. but putting vegetables um, at the forefront, it's kind of amazing because it's so different to the sort of nose to tail Fergus Henderson, who we love and is amazing. But that that was what everybody was doing just even ten years ago. Yeah, um, it was really different. So so how how do you do that? <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that actually because that was the kind of climate in which I sort of decided to stop eating meat and I became vegetarian. So mm. all the chefs around me were kind of like you know fanning on kind of Fergus Henderson and stuffing trotters and all of that stuff and at that same moment I kind of lots of awful um and you know I think if you eat meat I'm all up for eating all of the meat but um yeah I just um yeah I just kind of went down a bit of a different road and decided to put vegetables kind of at the center of things and at the time it felt like a pretty radical thing to do especially as a chef because you know when I was kind of mentioning to people I'd turned vegetarian it was kind of like it's almost like you know the most terrible swear word you could possibly ever say and people were you know people couldn't the shame yeah the shame actually Mm. and people couldn't really kind of um yeah I guess sort of work out how you could be a chef and how you could kind of like not cook meat and fish and and in in the last sort of nine years since since I made that decision obviously the landscape has totally changed which is amazing because there's loads and loads of people kind of you know flying the flag for kind of definitely vibrant eating in lots of different ways that doesn't just have to be vegetables but yeah but it's amazing and also you're about to go to new york 
um, yes. with yeah, yeah, Melissa yeah, yeah, Hemsley, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you're gonna do a brunch there. And it's and what I love is that it's called like the Great British Brunch. Or what you yeah, the Great British, <laughs> Great British Brunch, brunch. And it's yeah. vegetarian. And I just think that that's kind of remarkable. Yeah, it's kind of it's w- quite funny actually. I was a bit like, should we call it the Great British Brunch? I'm not sure, but I think it's great. Um, but I think you know people do like respond well to that. Yeah, and I think it it, it shows how far we've come. I guess that you know two other chefs are really happy to just have vegetables on the menu there that you know 50 people have bought tickets in a day to a totally you know vegetable led feast and you know it's not a thing people mm. don't think twice about it you know and that's, so that's an guys, amazing spot to be in it's so, so cool what are you guys going to cook um we're going to cook tell? a whole yeah yeah i think well i mean i think we're still kind of working it out <laughs> three very busy ladies um so we're just trying to yeah we're going to cook a few recipes from my latest book um a, amazing baked cauliflower we're going to do a few kind of like British classics we're going to do like a sort of like yeah a kind of riff on sort of um, baked beans but we're going to do it in nice. like a shakshuka kind of way with some crumble feta some dill like that kind of thing so we've got yeah, yeah we've got a few little things up our sleeve we've got some amazing wine kombucha I love the those kombucha mocktails and wine because of course Brits love their wine. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be like, it's like, and there has to be some alcohol in there. Um, but uh, it's interesting, your menu, because I think that the food now is, I think everywhere, not just British food and not just American food, but, you know, the, the idea of, in the 80s, it was called fusion. But now mm. I think all of our cuisine is so fused yeah. because we're so multicultural. Yeah. Um, and everybody, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, shakshuka. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know what yeah. that is. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And it's funny, <laughs> it's like, isn't it? Because a few years ago, fusion was like a thing. And mm. you'd go to like a fusion restaurant and some people like Peter Gordon, like, you did know, did it amazingly, did it amazingly yeah. and, and did it with such kind of delicacy and finesse. And then yeah. some places it kind of wasn't done quite so well. But yeah. Yeah, now our whole like tapestry of food is fusion. And, it is. And the way I cook at home, you know, just like anyone, it's a dal one night, it might be, you know, some Greek kind of situation yeah. or a fearlo like spanakopita thing the next night. It's Yum. it's all pastry. I love savory pastry. Well, I mean you do you do pretty good pastry here. <laughs> you do great. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I think that's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I guess you feel you don't feel like you need to have been trained there or have you know, you feel the sort of um, ability to, to borrow from all these different cultures. I think so, and I think the world of food has kind of opened up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I would love to spend, you know, three months in each of those places, kind of like getting to grips with, um, you know, all the different cultures and learning from the nonnas and all that kind of thing. But it, but, but, you know, few of us have the time to do that. And we're yeah. so lucky in London that we can go to an Ethiopian restaurant, that we can go to a Vietnamese restaurant. And that's kind of like really spreading out. It's spread out into our food culture, our books, you know, even the high street Definitely. chains where you go and eat, you know, you can get a banh mi. Like yeah. it's, it, it, and, and, you know, I think some people would kind of consider that kind of like dumbing down the classics. But, you know, in my mind, it's, it's just amazing because it's opening up the world of food to kind of like, 
Everyone. I think so too. I totally agree with you. I think it's. I think the the more the better. And and when you know the supermarkets kind of jump on, I think it's it's great. I yeah. mean, and then also, it means that those ingredients that you need aren't as hard to seek out yeah, because exactly. they start to carry them. You know, sumac, pomegranate, molasses. Yeah. So, I mean, we know. We Thank know, you, Otto. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know who got that in every supermarket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, Okay, so just to go back a little bit to where you're where you're from. I mean, you're you're obviously um, British and a Londoner now, mm-hmm. um, but you spent your early days in California, yeah. which is my um, hometown, and very I love that about you. That's like I feel like that's always like a little connection we have. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, I just what? wish we'd known each other back then. <laughs> yeah, when we were six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been fun. We would have had a lot of fun mm. um, in the sandbox. So. <laughs> What, um, how has that influenced your career, do you think, or um, your or your life, or, you know? I think it's influenced my life massively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think California has a kind of, um, I think it just has a positivity and a, and, a, and a kind of this attitude where kind of anything's possible. I think mm-hmm. that's true about a lot of America, but I think particularly in California, mm-hmm. With the sunshine, with the kind of there's kind of just quite a positive vibe there, I think, and um, I think that's definitely kind of affected how I kind of look at my life. I think in terms of food, it's massively affected things because I grew up those first years surrounded by this, you know, incredible produce. Um, you know, and you know what it's like, like walking through the markets in California. Yeah. You know, I've been to markets all over the world. I'm kind of like a market geek, you know, and they're the ones. They're the ones you want to go back to, aren't they? They're the kind of gold standard. So it kind of, I guess, shaped my my view of food and ingredients, you know, from those little totters around the market with my little you know pink shopping trolley when I was tiny oh, I yeah I had you. a little shopping trolley um I'll, I'll find, I'll find, find a picture for you one day yeah um but also I think that thing we were just talking about about the I think Californian cooks somehow aren't kind of um they're not set in their ways like European cooks are, so they're really happy to perhaps use, you know, some sushi ginger in a, you know, in a salad that isn't yeah. Japanese, or to, you know, use tamari in something that perhaps, you know, is an Italian thing. You know, there's a great friend of mine, Heidi Swanson, who writes a blog, 101 Cookbooks, and she's always, like, just knitting in, like, these kind of, like, unexpected ingredients. And I think there's kind of a freedom to the cooking in California that does mean, whilst, you know, it's led by produce and freshness that these like unusual ingredients are kind of weaved in and there's not this kind of strict kind of doctrine to follow like there is in lots of the European traditions and I, I love that yeah, it's always been a bit of a kind of. Um, I mean, you know, it's a, it's the, the last frontier. It's like this yeah. kind of, you know, people went out there and wanted a different life, and I think that that goes through. Mm. You know, I mean, there's obviously like people that have been there, you know, forever, but it's uh, there's a there's a real feeling that people are, you know, the hippies and the kind of like, yeah. you know, um, wanting a bit of a different kind of lifestyle um, that's more relaxed and more easygoing. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. Um, Freedom is the word, I think. It yeah. feels a very free place. Yeah, it is a free place. Oh, I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I saw in your Instagram that you were in Margate for your birthday. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so cool. But I think it's, it's really, that, like, speaking of, um, you know, 
beach towns, it's it's like such a different vibe to a California beach town. Yeah. And like, how is Margate such a kind of? It's become such a cool place. Yeah, yeah. Like, what did you do when you were there? Oh, uh, we just we hung out with loads <laughs> of our friends actually. Yeah. Well, I live close to you here in here in Hackney um, and loads and loads of my friends have all moved down to Margate so it was amazing we just did like a catch up with a load of different friends and, and kind of like hit all the hot spots all the different cafes that have opened up there it's kind of it's, it's a brilliant place, Margate, because it's mm. a mixture of that kind of kitsch seaside town, which we all kind of like, you know, even the yeah. most chic amongst us, you know, <laughs> like a go on a big wheel. Like, yeah, there's just something so cool. brilliant. And Dreamland is yeah, amazing. It, it just allows you to be this big kid, which, yeah. you know, I, you know, having my little boy Dylan, who's two, has allowed me to kind of like really reconnect with those, you know, those moments mm. and those days of just like totally. larking around being stupid and playing actually which you know you just don't you, you kind of don't do as an adult but it's such a big it's such a joyous part of life so um nice. so yeah we did a lot of kind of playing sandcastles that kind of thing and then we went to some amazing cafes um and and, and had some really really good dinners there's like some amazing coffee roasteries there so cool. i've been um, approached like a few times by not officially approached but like mm-hmm. you know people that are friends that have yeah. moved down there to say yeah. like you know please come open the place yeah and i'm glad to hear that they're that they're popping up yeah they definitely are and there's there's like amazing antiques like vintage shops like Mm. little you know homewares boutiques and stuff and it's it's still definitely a mixture of the old and the new but that's kind of what i like about it absolutely it's not too polished Um, we need to do a trip down. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do it with the kiddos. <laughs> um, it's so funny you're talking about being at the farmer's market with when you were little in California with your little trolley. Because I just... Um, so, like, we both have two-plus-year-olds. And um, and I just bought Francis Duplo for the first time. Oh, like, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. a little shout-out to the Duplo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thing, which I'm so torn about. Yeah. But, um, but they had a farmer's market oh Duplo my God. kit. <laughs> So I was like, I gotta get that. So we <laughs> gotta get Dylan I mean, and Francis playing farmers market yes. together, building. Yeah, little well, he's. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of vehicles from that from the Duplo yeah, sort of vein. So he can drive his vehicles up to the farmers market. I mean, it's pick crazy. up some produce. Exactly, so cute. We can teach them. This is so adorable. Um, anyway, sorry, I digress. Yeah, um, but you actually referred to me recently as um, a wing mum, and um, and I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> because we've talked a lot about um, the challenges of having a child mm. um, and still being a working human being, mm. um, and and just that that balance or lack of balance and like the struggle versus the joy, mm. and I just think that uh, it's time to kind of like talk a little more openly about all of that because you know there's the real idea of like doing it all Mm. and like that's really Mm. really not always what it feels like no Um, (laughs) it definitely doesn't always feel like you're doing it all doing it all is I think an impossible phrase isn't it it is and I think that's you know that's the thing I think I, I I feel really lucky that I've got you know a lot of I'm surrounded by a lot of other brilliant parents Mm. who um you know like you and moms and also dads who I respect and oh yeah and and yeah and kind of sound guys amazing dad yeah and kind (laughs) of 
just see them doing kind of the same thing. And mm. I think that's the funny thing as well when you have kids like your time to socialize with other adult humans is greatly reduced so you know we don't see each other that much but I kind of know that like really if like the shit hit the fan and I was in like a difficult situation I'd be like Claire <laughs> you know what's going on help me out you know and I feel like so I feel like feel it works way. both ways absolutely you know? um, absolutely but yeah I think I feel incredibly lucky that I'm freelance and I have like a career that I love and um, flexibility flexibility but um, I think with that comes this kind of pressure to kind of like do it all and I think I was I was actually talking to my mum about it yesterday you know I've had a kid a little bit later on you know compared to how you know their generation yeah their generation and actually that means we're at a really different point in our careers we're kind of at the point in our careers where things are kind of firing rather than you know my mum had a kid when it was the very start of her career and then she could come back to it later so I think that balance of trying to um you know be the mum you want to be which for me is kind of like being around a bit for Dylan you know being part of his life and um you know being engaged with him and you know allowing him to do the stuff that he loves and letting him grow as a little person and trying to be like the career kind of woman yeah is it's kind of an impossible balance and I think I'll be trying to work out how to get that until he's 40 yeah but some days you smash it and you know and it's amazing and then some days you know you go to bed and think whoa okay that was (laughs) that That was was a big one one. yeah yeah and like what do you think was like the biggest shock of motherhood Um, (laughs) I mean I think there were quite a lot of shocks like I love being a mum I love being pregnant I I kind of love it all but um, I really thought because you know I see myself as quite a hippie you know I write books about vegetarian food for God's sake I just thought I was going to be this earth mother that I was going to like yeah I was going to just like rap Ina May who is like she's like a hero lady yeah. but um, yeah definitely down one direction um, I thought I was just going to wrap him in a little you know wrap around my body and we were just going to do everything together like go travelling to Burma you know yeah. all of this stuff and I was positive we were not going to have like any plastic in the house he was going to be drinking spirulina smoothies at four months you know and it's just so not the case, is it's it? My so house has been like overtaken by plastic. <laughs> he, his favourite meal is pasta, you know. And um, you know, I think that was Francis's second word after <laughs> <Yeah>. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, pasta. Yeah. Dylan's first word was dad as well, and, th- and then probably I think then it was lion. I mean, but yeah, I was Cute. like, I was like ten or twelve down the line. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like it's a constant reevaluation of your of your expectations, um, and that's not kind of like lowering your expectations. It's just like being kind to yourself, I think, yeah. and not giving yourself, uh, you know, a hard time for you know these these not living up to these ideals that you set before you even had a child in your life, you know. Um, and yeah how what would you say like your with us a bigger shock for you i mean i'm right there with you i think it i think that um 
The biggest shock was not being able to do everything I was already doing plus have a child. <laughs> I, I mean, that was I a mean, big shock like, why is that shocking? <laughs> I don't know. But you just, as, ma- as much as anyone tells you, it's going to be different. It's going to be challenging. Mm. It's, you're going to be tired. You're mm. like, yeah, 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 I can mm. handle it. Like, mm. I run my own business and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah I'm really um, capable. I've got yeah. this. I mean, yeah. it's just another small human. How much work can it be? <laughs> and it's like going to be my small human and they're going to do they're just like yeah, going to do whatever exactly. I say. Like yeah. me a dream. It's a it's hugely um, a, a job for for two people plus. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can't I can't imagine how much more challenging it would be if I didn't have you know a very very amazing involved dad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like I. I I'm able to do more of what I need to do and take the time when I need to take the time for work yeah. because work is, you know, it's not like um, we also in our own businesses can take maternity leave. Mm. I mean, that doesn't yeah. really exist. You take a little time, but yeah. you still have to kind of juggle it all. And you still have to sort of stay on top of the emails and stuff like that. And yeah. I think that is what Your we're head kind is of still in it. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing you say about the dad's Mm. role is enormous as well because that is I think something that perhaps like our generation are carving out of it I know they've been amazing you know dads who've looked after their kids for years and years and years but I think it's becoming much more normal especially with the new kind of like maternity and paternity laws Um, you know we're just kind of working out how that works to have two parents who kind of like share the load and, and me and my husband John absolutely you know do that and massive shout out to him for being you know the most amazing dad but um it's it's definitely something that is a conversation that I think we is just starting out and there's some amazing people within the kind of like mom community um talking about that and talking to the government and trying to kind of like change you know the way things are viewed and and the way kind of dads are treated if they do want to you know pull back on their work exactly because I think it's still um you know uh, Damien, when he wanted to take time off at work, you know, the, the, he was, it was very supported, but he was the mm. first one mm. in his company mm. to do it. And he works, you know, it's quite a big company, <laughs> quite right? Quite a big company, yeah. yeah. So it was really, it was really amazing. I think, um, you know, it, you know, the law wasn't, was, was quite new still, mm. mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it's totally about changing our perception. Um, yeah. And then you can make it look however you want it to look, you know, mm. your relationship or your roles mm. in the mm. home, it can be however you you know agree to do mm. them with mm. your partner but I think that um, when those laws are in place it's much more feasible mm. and helpful and then it's just not such a big deal yeah yeah it just <laughs> takes it just takes the pressure off because yeah. I don't know there's the four off. couples I know where you know there's a stay at home mom or dad and yeah. all the rest of the couples both couples work and I think that's also a new exploration and, and, yeah. and something that's changed you know in a couple of generations yeah I mean it's really changing quickly mm. it's really mm. exciting actually <laughs> um, oof, but it's tough work <laughs> um, so I want to go go back to um, your your career a bit which before you so obviously you got your start with Jamie Oliver mm-hmm. that's well um, published we all know about that <laughs> um, because Jamie 
like my mentor, Alice Waters, is was such a wonderful person to, I think, have worked for and learned yeah. from and um, is so kind of supportive mm. of all the people that mm. go mm. on to do their own thing, um, which is an amazing place to be because you can really flourish in what you yeah. want to do, yeah. you know, after you've had all this amazing experience. Yeah. 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 Um, but one of the things I think, when, so when you, you went through the 15 program, right? Yeah. So you trained as a chef. Yeah, I trained there. as a chef at 15, yeah, which everyone is slightly surprised by because people think that you have to be like from non privileged background or whatever. <laughs> but when I did it, it was kind of a, a bit of a different setup. So they just wanted, you know, they, they employed a few people who were just really passionate about food at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. the most amazing sort of fast forward mm. cooking education. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. And then you, um, I think while you were then working in his whole huge company, mm. you decided to to kind of veer towards the food styling part of it. Yeah, Is that, was that yeah, what absolutely. Well, I went after fifteen. I went off and kind of worked in a few restaurants, kind of okay. in in Italy and Spain nice. and a few, few in London, which were really <laughs> nice. So I spent like six months in the kind of like Sassacaya vineyards in Tuscany. Oh, I mean, oh my God. which was so dreamy. I had a sommelier who was living with me. Um, who basically had just come to Tuscany to try and drink every vintage of Sassacaya, which is this amazing, like, super Tuscan red wine, which it's, is, like... It's legendary. Crazy money per mm. bottle. And so every night he would he would spend all his wages on this bottle of Sassacaya, and he had no one else to drink it with. So, like, every night he'd, like, open a new bottle of Sassacaya. And I'd, I'd be sitting there thinking, <laughs> OK, sure, yeah, I'll be your drinking buddy. So it was just, like, this wow. crazy crazy sort of quite solitary because I was learning Italian and I didn't really know how to speak Italian apart from all the food words so I mean my food was (laughs) great the rest order you (laughs) could order food (laughs) I could order anything Um, but yeah so that was fantastic sort of an amazing kind of education in different Mm. restaurants and stuff and then yeah I went then went back to work for Jamie's and kind of like saw him doing photo shoots which I didn't even know existed you know yeah because this was a decade ago yeah yeah exactly and the word food stylist I mean it was home economist still almost and it's still the most ridiculous (laughs) job title I mean what does it even mean um so and and I saw him doing some photo shoots with this amazing lady Ginny who you know really well who's worked with him for years um and I just thought this is really interesting because it kind of used kind of both sides of my brain. It used this kind of quite um, regimented kind of cooking brain that I'd learned in the kitchen, but then also it kind of tapped into this kind of like, you know, left side kind of creative brain that I knew was there, but kind of it's like wasn't, dying to Yeah, it, it wasn't being used <laughs> enough. Obviously, it was being used like in the plating yeah. and stuff like that. But, it's different, um, isn't it? But it was different. Mm. So I kind of like just hopped on and was like, hey guys, you need a hand? <laughs> um, and tried to like make the best food I could that day and yeah so then I kind of moved over to helping Jamie with kind of um food styling and then eventually kind of um supporting him a bit with kind of writing and that kind of thing that's such a good tip though for people I think that are starting off on their careers to like Mm. you know just watch all the time and Mm. kind of see the bit that you really like Mm. and then just offer to get involved somehow you know even if it's for free when you're on your day off or whatever I mean I, I I think 
I wouldn't be anywhere if I hadn't done a lot of those for free on my day off days. Oh my God, absolutely. And also, yeah. like, just asking. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it sounds like a really pushy catchphrase, but, like, that you don't ask, you don't get. I mean, absolutely. it's, it, 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 you know, I think there's probably a more poetic, gentler way of saying it, but um, a lot of the, the, the things that have happened in my career have happened because, you know, I've really respected someone and said, hey, can I come and buy you lunch or go for a coffee? or learn how you do that and um, for sure I think it yeah. goes so far mm. and I mean we have people coming through Violet now you know that I see who you know they want to intern or they want to come and ask me questions or do a little you know informational interview or something mm. like that mm. and I'm so all for it and I just think yeah you're going to go far if you have mm. the tenacity to mm. do that it's mm. going to really um, serve you well yeah Absolutely. It's, it's really it's really cool um, speaking of that, so now you then you became when after you worked um, for about seven years at, at Jamie, you were with Jamie. You went on to food style on your own before starting your cookery yeah. writing career. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you then would have lots of people working for you as assistants. And, yeah and yeah. so forth um, what does it feel like when, when your sort of assistants sort of like leave the nest and oh like... my goodness oh my goodness it's honestly like a breakup. Yeah. it's like a breakup. So I worked much. with the most amazing woman Emily Ezekiel um, for probably about five or six years after I left Jamie's and we were like you know, we were like Tweedledee and Tweedledum or something <laughs> chicer than that. But we, dream team, we, dream yeah, team. we were just like this. We we, we we kind of finished each other's sentences. I spent more time with her than I did with, you know, my now husband, any of my family. Um, and I just don't think enough like credence is given to those work relationships. Sometimes I, they are so crucial and so important. And. Um, so valued and we you know talk about you know how we communicate kind of like with emotional intelligence like in our relationships at home and with our family but I don't think we talk about that you know at work so much and actually you know that relationship with Emily has kind of taught me how I want to be with all the people that I work with because first and foremost we were really really good friends we had a very honest you know kind of like conversation backwards and forwards it never felt like you know I was in charge um i definitely wasn't in charge anyone who knows emily who's listening to this will know i was never in charge um, <laughs> um but yeah I, I and actually when when emily left i properly cried like i properly properly cried because Aww. it's just like you know because she was such a dreamy human but also it's kind of like yeah how can you do it without them mm. and also it's like honoring the end of that amazing time that we spent together it was you know a relationship changing just like a relationship changes if you break up or if you you know do something different or if someone moves to another country it's kind of yeah and I I, I really believe that working with friends or making the people you work with friends you know is a big part of why I continue to love what I do so much I think that's so cool because I think there's also this other school of thought that you don't let you know your guard down with your employees or you don't let them in to a certain yeah. degree because you have to keep the boundaries and be really professional yeah um, and I found as well when I started out I was very much sort of of that school thinking mm-hmm. well you know we can mm-hmm. be friendly but I think there should be yeah. separation um, so that I can still be the boss mm. and over the years I've really changed that 
because I find now that, you know, we're a team and I can't do anything without them. And yeah, exactly. Like the more we kind of have a good rapport, the more fun it is for everyone as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you get a much better result. Yeah. And yeah, and that's not it's really interesting. Like, you know, finishing work at six o'clock and then all going out and no. smashing back loads of beers. Like I think no, it's the opposite. It's like, happens, it's like about enjoying, like yeah. making the time that you're at work like a social you know not like you know a social time and a time for like conversation and kind of like growth yeah and kitchens used to be this place where there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of um you know speaking with ruthie rogers um in the last podcast and she talked about um one of her employees that had had a situation where a chef had held a cast iron pan over their head and said if those souffles don't come out of the oven you know Perfect. This yeah. is coming down on yeah. your head, yeah. you know, and yeah. that kind of culture of fear and and you know, it's it's horrific. And also, of course, you know, all the sexual harassment that mm. we all know mm. now really know about. I mean, we all knew about it to a degree, but mm. now it's really become public. And I think, um, you know, it's so awesome to be in a situation where we can create a new culture. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm always sweetness and light. I can definitely be <laughs> difficult. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure certainly not too. hitting yeah. my employees with Yeah, hand. no, absolutely. And I I think it's um I, I mean I feel like I was really lucky to learn mm. in the kitchens of 15 and yeah. under kind of like exactly Jamie and all the chefs it that comes from the top work for him because they were all men but mm. actually they were some of the biggest feminists I've ever worked with in <laughs> yeah. my whole life you know yeah. and and they had this very kind of like you know there was the laddie humor but there was also like a kindness and a gentleness to how they worked um and I think kind of I've yeah definitely carried that through but yeah I think that was what set me on this path to to look for a different kind of career in food because as a young chef I did kind of I heard those stories of people being brandished you know with with hot you know wild steals and things like that for not getting a poached egg to the pass on time and I just thought you know what like I'm not great with authority I knew that I was gonna last like four (laughs) seconds in those kitchens I mean I can never understand why I was supposed to call someone chef like no like you've got a name like I don't get it (laughs) it's really funny I know it's really different okay so I just want to kind of end on um asking you well I I was sort of curious if you could tell me I gave you a little bit of homework I don't know if you had a chance because you're (laughs) ultra busy but um it's just to kind of describe I think through I thought it'd be good to talk a little bit about a little bit more about your food and like what I just was curious like if you could tell me um if you can sort of choose a couple of dishes that really define yeah you know what you love about cooking and what you what you see as kind of your your ethos and your approach yeah well I was thinking about this on the way over and it's always such a difficult thing like I when I, it's kind of an annoying question but I think it really actually no, is really it's, interesting it's a great question yeah. and, I, and the other day I tried to like add up how many recipes I'd written in the last like five years or seven years or something and it was like getting into the thousands Amazing. so when I like tried to like go back into that bank and and think about the ones that really um 
stood out, yeah. It feels quite difficult because for me as well, just like you, food is so seasonal. So, you know, like... Goes without saying. Yeah, at the moment, like, I'm crazy excited about, like, you know, the asparagus coming in and I've got some Italian asparagus, this amazing purple asparagus the other day for a shoot. And it's, like, wild, you know, (laughs) and so delicious. And, you know, I've just been swiping it in butter and covering it in salt and eating it like that. So, you know, there's all these different moments in food through the year which... um, which kind of like punctuate time for me and I think we were talking about earlier about like you know entertaining and marking the year and birthdays and anniversaries and having parties and both of us were saying we wish we got round to that a bit more but for me um you know the year those big moments of the year are kind of marked in food they're the elderflowers they're the you know the 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 blood oranges at Christmas um so yeah I guess it's difficult to kind of like pull things out from that but I think one of the things that kind of I guess people have responded quite well to from my cooking is is things that are really quick and easy and I think that's actually become to kind of like define my cooking a bit because um, I'm a home cook you know I'm not a restaurant chef anymore I do do soft clubs and stuff but cooking for any more than 40 people quite honestly scares the living daylights out of me these days um <laughs> So um, there's one dish which I think has been the most cooked from all of my books that people say they make on repeat. And it's this really, really, it's this South Indian dal, basically, with mustard seeds, with curry leaves, if you can get your hands on them. Um, I roast some either sweet potatoes or kind of regular potatoes to go on top. So you've kind of got a textural thing going on. And then I make this really quick chutney. You can freshly grate coconut but I mean who actually does that on a Wednesday <laughs> night so um, it's made out of kind of desiccated coconut that's kind of um, soaked and soaked, so it so it's kind of gets this lovely kind of um, succulent texture Check, and then you yeah. mix that with some mustard seeds with kind of lemon zest and I think that's one of the things that really um, when I started cooking without meat became really important that layering flavor mm. and texture and so you're not getting the kind of umami mm. flavors you might be getting from meat or the kind of texture you might be getting from you know the crust of some crispy skinned fish or something yeah. so you kind of have to build it in a different way and I think that dal for me is one of the things that 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 does that um it sounds so delicious and so um nourishing as yeah, well yeah. you know just like I'm thinking oh Francis is gonna love that I can <laughs> make that for her <laughs> well I think that's it and I think lots of the food that I make generally you know as I said earlier my son is kind of obsessed with pasta so I'm, I'm not gonna say everything I make he eats that's definitely not the case but yeah I think um food should be about ease it should be about approachability it should be about you know those joyous moments within you know cooking whether it's zesting a lemon and it's spritzing up in your face or whether it's a handful of different jewel colored tomatoes or whether it's cutting into a kind of candy cane beetroot you know it's it's but but it shouldn't be hard and it shouldn't be um yeah, and I think that's something I've really taken from my time with Jamie, actually, like mm. understanding that, you know... The ease. The ease, and the, the I think he has a lack of ego in, in the food that he makes. He wants sure. to make it easy for that person to get that food on the table for their family, and I think that's something that I've really, really kind of taken on in my cooking. And I think that my second favourite, or my second most kind of popular recipe, which I never thought would be the one that people loved, was this... Um, one pan pasta and I mean the Italians would literally like come and like whack me over the head with a pan for doing it but 
Back to the chef. Um, <laughs> the scary chefs. Yeah, the scary chefs. But um, it, I actually realised that it is it is an old Poulian recipe when I looked into it. And it's, you know, you put the pasta, tomatoes, kale, um, the dry lemon pasta. zest, dry pasta in oh, a pan, so cover it with like a litre and a half of water, yeah. and then the whole thing boils up in one, and it makes this kind of silky sauce, because you know... In when one the, pot. Yeah, in one pot, because so the, the, cool. the, the pasta releases this kind of starchy water that mixes with the lemon yeah, and the tomatoes. Yeah, because I'm always adding the pasta water back yeah, to the sauce. Exactly. And, yeah. um, so, and that has literally, that one has gone wild as well because I think people use one pan, they put everything in, yeah. it's one thing to wash up and it's just super, super simple. And as much as my kind of ego wants to create <laughs> these kind of like magical, far-fangled yeah. flavours with, I don't know, black cardamom or whatever, yeah. it's not those recipes or dishes that people want. So Yeah, um, I know, I it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is, but also it's kind of nice because I think great, inspiration yeah. for me comes in lots of different forms. Yes. And sometimes it's like getting dinner on the table in 20 minutes. Which is an amazing feat um, <laughs> any day. <laughs> um, Anna, thank you so much oh, for coming. Thank you for having me. I mean, it's just been such a joy. You're one of the warmest people I know oh, and also um, one of the most fantastic kind of innovative chefs so, or cooks. Um, I love that you say you're a cook, not a chef. Um, but <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming. Oh, and well, always a dream. Always a dream to have a morning at Ryla. Oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. That was Anna Jones, cook, stylist, columnist, and author. Check out her beautiful and delicious recipes on annajones.co.uk every Saturday in The Guardian or from one of her three wonderful books. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Violet Sessions wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye. Bye.